Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Hosea chapter 1, and we're going to read Hosea chapters 1, 2, and 3 together. Hosea chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo Ruhamah, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lo Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lu Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and she has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, 
For then, I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, and lavished on her the silver and gold which they used for Baal. Therefore, I will take away my corn when it ripens, and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen, intended to cover her naked body. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket, and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after lovers, but me she forgot, declares the Lord. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain, and the new wine, and the olive oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. The Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me for many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and I will behave in the same way toward you. For the Israelites, will live for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, 
without ephod or household gods. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Amen. longer reading this morning uh, and let's just pray before we get into God's word Father we thank you that you are a God who speaks uh, a God who's intimately uh, involved in our lives and wants to be and we ask that this morning that you would uh, speak to our hearts again uh, that we would hear uh, your words and, and not mine uh, and that as we hear your word uh, you would change us um, they would connect with us and have an effect on us that we would become more like Jesus. So help us now. Amen. Before we get into uh, Hosea this morning, uh, I wanted us to first just stop a little minute and think a bit about unfaithfulness, the pain it causes, the effect it has on relationships. Here are some words that someone used uh, to describe they, how they felt uh, when their partner had been unfaithful. I felt as if my heart will stop beating, as if I will stop breathing, as if I was a tissue paper to be used and thrown away, as if I deserved nothing worthy in life, as if I have lost everything I ever had. My self-esteem, will to live, strength to keep moving, everything was lost. I suddenly felt lost and lonely. I cried so hard, there was no noise, just silent, continuous sobs. Now, I realize this is a sensitive uh, subject because it can be a uh, close to home for, for many people. Um, many here will have experienced unfaithfulness uh, and the pain and the heartache that it's caused and the scars and the pain never completely heals. And even if you haven't gone through something like this yourself, uh, you'll most likely have seen the effects on close friends or family members and even our young people are here uh, in relationships with their friends uh, will know something of uh, how people are deeply scarred by unfaithfulness in relationships. Unfaithfulness destroys relationships. Um, so with this in mind, with the help of the prophet Hosea, we're going to take a look at unfaithfulness and faithfulness in the most important relationship in our lives. And that's obviously the relationship with the living God. So Hosea began his ministry about 750 years uh, before Jesus was born. Uh, he's a prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, and this was at a time when the nation of Israel, God's people, had known a, a time of peace and a time of prosperity under King Jeroboam. 
But in their comfort, uh, they thought they didn't need God anymore. So they turned and they started worshiping all the foreign gods from the nations around them. Uh, they made idols of all sorts of things. So God called the prophet Hosea to confront the people of Israel about their sin and to highlight their unfaithfulness. And God loved, loves his people deeply and he didn't want the message from Hosea to go in people's one ear and out the other ear again. So he also called Hosea to a life that graphically illustrated the message. So if we look at verse uh, 2 uh, in chapter 1. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblam. Can you imagine this? God's prophet, this holy man Hosea, who's godly, he's highly respected, he's above reproach, and he marries this woman, Gomer, who's repeatedly unfaithful to him. She effectively becomes a prostitute. They have children together. In verse 3, which she conceived and bore him a son. And then there's two more children that are added to the family. But, but if you notice with these next two children, Jose is not mentioned in their conception. In verse 6, Gomer conceived and gave birth to a daughter. No Hosea. And in verse 8, Gomer has another son. So these are, are likely the children of other men that Gomer has slept with. So there'll be constant reminders uh, to Hosea of Gomer's unfaithfulness. What pain and heartache Hosea must have experienced. And all the people uh, would have known about Hosea and Gomer. You can just imagine uh, wagging tongues in the market. Did you hear who Gomer's run off with now? I feel so sorry for Hosea. How does he put up with her? The people could identify with the heartbreak of this godly prophet and see lived before them his steadfast love for his adulterous wife. So when Hosea when Hosea speaks God's word to the people, and as we go on through the book, he repeatedly tells them, you have been unfaithful to your God. The message would have connected with great force. And the same for us, like we started, how we've experienced and know the pain of unfaithfulness too. Uh, the message of unfaithfulness connects with us as well. So without having to say, it really, the people understood. They've been unfaithful to their God, just like Hosea, or Gomer has been unfaithful to Hosea. They despised and looked down on Gomer for her treatment of Hosea, but they've been no different in their treatment of God. And the sad truth is that we can be the same. When it comes to our relationship with God, we are often like Gomer. We are the unfaithful wife. We are the serial adulterer. We are the cheating partner. And this 
causes God great pain and great heartache because he loves you so much. We can focus most of our time and energy on created things and have little time for our creator. And when there's a crisis in our life, we might turn to God then. Our prayer life improves dramatically. But when better times come, prayer and spending time with God become more and more infrequent. We let other things capture our affections, basically, and take the place that God should have. Things we let become idols. Things we run after and give our worship to rather than worshiping our God. So we'd like us to take a, a little moment now and search your own heart. And if God is speaking to you through Hosea this morning and confronting some unfaithfulness, uh, have a little think on that now. And I'm just thinking a few questions that might, might help just to do that. What do you spend most of your time thinking about and put most energy into? That can be a helpful question. It's maybe a sport, a hobby, your career, your family, your education, your health. Or another question that can help is, how would you finish the sentence, I would be happy if? I would be happy if I was married, if I had a girlfriend, if I was fitter and better looking, I'd be happy if I had a better job and a better house, if my children have a successful career. In our battle against sin, and the Christian life is a battle against sin, it's important to see sin as unfaithfulness and be aware of our weaknesses. But we can let this understanding be a weapon, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, a weapon that we use to fight sin and temptation. So I'm going to suggest that when, when we're tempted to look to other things for satisfaction and fulfillment, to go to places we shouldn't go to, to watch things we shouldn't walk, stop and think on the pain and heartache we are causing our God. Realize that you would be acting towards God like a husband committing adultery. It's that serious. Refuse to be a gomer. Refuse to be a gomer. But thankfully, the book of Hosea has much more to teach us about our relationship with God than that we are often like an unfaithful wife. The most wonderful message is that despite our unfaithfulness, God is a faithful husband. And we've been singing uh, a lot of wonderful songs reflecting on that this morning. And the, even as the children's chorus we sang puts it, his love's so high we can't get over it, it's so low we can't get under it, and it's so wide we can't get around it. So we're gonna go into chapter two and through chapter two, we get God's response to the unfaithfulness. It's worded and directed with the image of Gomer, the unfaithful wife of mind, but it's speaking to the people of Israel uh, and how God's gonna respond and act towards them. 
And it speaks to us too. When we put our faith in Jesus, we're adopted into God's family. We're his people. Uh, God doesn't change. So, so we're going to just step through this and look at some of the ways that God acts towards us in response to unfaithfulness. And every way, it shows the, the wonderful, uh, loving God that he is. So, first thing is that he warn, warns us, and this is verses 2 to 5. Rebuke your mother, let her remove the adulterous look from her face. Otherwise I will strip her naked, I will make her like a desert, slay her with thirst. Their mother has been unfaithful. So God highlights her sin and he highlights the consequences of it. He works by his Holy Spirit and us to convict us of sin and warns us. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you're a Christian, your sins are forgiven. We're not going to experience a penalty. But our sins still cause God pain and they do affect our enjoyment of him. So if God is lovingly putting some his finger on some sin in your life this morning. Turn to him. Ask him for to, to forgive you. Enjoy more of the relationship with him. And, and if you're not a Christian this morning, the warning's even more serious. Uh, your sin, your rebellion against God, your wanting to have nothing to do with him, will result in eternal punishment, eternal separation from him. So again, if God's highlighting your sin to you this morning, you know you're not right with him, again, turn to him, ask him to forgive you, put your faith in Jesus. So that was the first thing that he warns us. And the second way he acts in love towards us is that he walls us in. That might be a strange one, but we'll, we'll explain it. And this is verses six to eight. Therefore, I will block her path. I will wall her in. She will chase after her lovers and not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. In God's love for us, he protects us. Even when we're running away from him, running after other things, he only lets us run so far. He lets us run far enough so that we recognize our sin, but he steps in and blocks our way to prevent us experiencing the worst consequences. He wants us to stop running. He wants us to turn back to him. I wonder, can you recognize God doing that in your life at the minute? Life uh, to Jesus many years ago, but you've kind of largely walked away from following him day to day and uh, making him the focus of your life. Uh, and maybe he's brought you through hard times and maybe that's a time at the minute when he's showing you that uh, he does love you, that, that you need him and he's using those circumstances uh, to, to bring you back to himself. So again, ask him to forgive you Thank him for his love and care. Thank him for his pursuit and stopping you uh, experiencing uh, 
the, the full consequences of your actions. So he warns us, he walls us in. Thirdly, he can withdraw his blessings from us. And if we look at verses 9 to 13, I'm just going to read a few parts of it again. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens. I will stop all her celebrations. I will ruin her vines. Sometimes, in his love, God takes away blessings to break through to us. Or because the good gifts he's given us, we've turned into idols. Thinking of examples, he might do this by causing us to lose our job if career or material things have become an idol. He often speaks to us in times of illness when our health is taken away. And some people could testify to that. Now, now this isn't the only reason that painful things happen, but it is something to consider. So can you see God's loving hand at work at the minute when a blessing's being withdrawn? If you can, again, turn to him, ask him to forgive you for your unfaithfulness and thank him for his love for you. Fourthly, he woos us and verses verse 14 and 15. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. I just love this verse. When I think of my unfaithfulness to God and how I have treated him, he would have been completely justified in saying, I'm having nothing more to do with Richard. I'm leaving him to his own devices and the consequences are on his head. But no, he pursues me, he allures me, he leads me away from all the distractions and speaks tenderly to me. His love for me, his desire for me, his interest in me is just staggering. Are you aware of God wooing you today? Comforting you when you read his word? Showing you how much Jesus loves you? Reminding you that you're precious and he delights in you? Maybe even this morning as we've met together, the songs we've sang, uh, about being a child of God, that the Spirit's just testified to you uh, who you are in God. If you're seeing his wooing of you this morning, run to him again. Fall into his arms. Let him embrace you. And finally, verses 16 to 20 and following, he weds us. Verse um, 19. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. And the New Testament builds in this image of marriage and presents Christ as a bridegroom, and we, the church, as Christ's precious beloved bride.
So once you've turned to Jesus, put your trust in him, you're united to him forever. Nothing can separate you from his love. He wants you to rejoice in his love for all eternity as he rejoices in your love. So maybe you have been doubting your salvation, thinking God couldn't love you, when you're thinking the things you've done, the things you've said, the things you've thought. But don't let that happen. Nothing can separate you from his love. You're his beloved. Turn back to him now. Ask him to forgive you for your sins. Ask him to remind you that you're his forever. Wow. So these are just some of the ways God acts towards us in love. They're not an exhaustive list. How he acts as a faithful husband. He warns us. He walls us in. He withdraws blessings. He woos us. And he weds us to himself forever. And we're going to finish with a, a final illustration of the extent of God's love for us. And again, I'm not going to... Uh, I'm going to use the illustration that we have uh, in this book in the Bible that comes from Hosea's life, Hosea and Gomer. We just read uh, chapter 3 then, start of chapter 3. The story of Hosea and Gomer continues. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. So it seems that Gomer is now living with another man and is explicitly described as an adulteress. We don't know all the details, but it seems she's sold herself to this man in some way that he now has ownership of her. What would Hosea's completely natural and justified reaction have been? Well, it would have been to just have nothing more to do with her. They're welcome to each other, he might have said. But God tells Hosea, go, show your love to your wife again. And Hosea does this by buying her back. And it seems he does this at great cost. He scrapes together all the silver that they have. And when this falls short, he makes up the sea of price with barley. That may well have been an important part of the family's provisions. He does this at great cost. And, and this is a really powerful illustration of the gospel, of redemption, of being bought back. We are like Gomer the unfaithful adulterous wife. God has like Hosea, the faithful, loving husband. And we know how God demonstrated his love for us most supremely when he sent Jesus. 
the price to purchase us back out of slavery to sin was so costly. It was extortionate. It cost Jesus precious blood to be shed on the cross as he died in our place and paid for our sin. The cross is where, above all, we see the height, depth, width of God's love for you. So as we leave here, as we go out into another week, as we seek to live for God and battle against sin, refuse to be a gomer, refuse to be unfaithful to God and causing pain and heartache, and reflect on the ways God is showing his love for you like a faithful husband. Notice those ways and respond by turning to him, by thanking him, by asking him to forgive you and to help you to be faithful. And we're going to have an opportunity to respond right now as we sing the next song and then as we take communion together. Communion's a wonderful time for us to respond to God's love, to all that he's doing in his life. So let's sing first and then we'll take communion. Thank you.